0: There are many names for God and the names that you will hear in today's scripture are sovereign one and I am the text today is taken from the first three chapters of Exodus. Now, a new king came to power in Egypt who didn't know Joseph the king said to his people, the Israelites are now larger in number and stronger than we are come on let's be smart and deal with them. Otherwise, they'll go in number, and if war breaks out, they'll join our enemies, fight against us, and then escape from the land. As a result, the Egyptians put foremen of forced labor work gangs over the Israelites to harass them with hard work. They had to build storage cities named Pithom and Ramses for Pharaoh, but the more they were oppressed, the more they grew. And spread so much so that the Egyptians started to look at the Israelites with disgust and dread. So the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. They made their lives miserable with hard labor, making mortar and bricks, doing field work, and by forcing them to do all kinds of cruel work. The king of Egypt spoke to two Hebrew midwives named Shipra and Pua. When you're helping the Hebrew women give birth and you see a baby being born, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, you can let her live. Now the two midwives respected God, so they didn't obey the Egyptian king's order. Instead, they let the baby boys live. So the king of Egypt called the two midwives again and said to them, Why are you doing this? Why are you letting the baby boys live? The two midwives said to Pharaoh, Ah, because Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women. They're much stronger and give birth before any midwives can even get to them. So God treated the midwives well, and the people kept on multiplying because and became very strong. And because the midwives respected God, God gave them households of their very own. Then Pharaoh gave an order to all of his people throw every baby boy born to the Hebrews into the Nile River but you can let the girls live now a man from Levi's household married a Levite woman the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son she saw that the baby was healthy and beautiful so she hid him for three months when she couldn't hide him any longer she took a reed basket and sealed it up with black tar she put the child in the basket and set the basket among the reeds at the river bank. The baby's older sister stood watch nearby to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river to bathe while her women servants walked alongside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent one of her servants to bring it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child. The boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. She said, this must be one of the Hebrews children, then the baby's sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, would you like me to go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you. Pharaoh's daughter agreed yes do that, so the girl went and called the child's mother Pharaoh's daughter said to her take this child nurse it for me and i'll pay you for your work. So the woman took the child and nursed it after the child had grown up she brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I pulled him out of the water. Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The sovereign one's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, Let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. When the sovereign one saw that he was coming to look, God called to him and out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. Then the sovereign one said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God. And Jacob's God, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the sovereign one said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, a land full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites all live. Now the Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I now come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what's this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God continued, say to the Israelites, the I am the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God and Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how all generations will remember me. For the word of God in the scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. In response to the scripture and preparation for the sermon, let's sing together number seven four zero seven forty, Spirit of the Living God, and we'll sing it through twice.
1: grateful for the reminder from our kids today that indeed this story that we have heard is one of our great 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 grandmas and aunties. In fact, this story is filled with great 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 grandmas and aunties. And some of you were at summer camp with me this past summer, and we did our Bible lessons in the Gaga ball court, and we decided that the Gaga ball court was holy ground, and we took off our shoes. It was a hot, muggy, summer day. The kind when one always feels dirty and sticky and smelly. And the woman stepped into the cool, clean, wet of the river and without making a conscious decision to do so in an instant dove in headfirst, her entire body longing for the cool, deep refuge of total immersion. She emerged, dripping with droplets of relief, her sleek black hair snaking down her back. (sighs) Bath time in the river. This was her favorite part of the day, hands down, especially on sultry days like today where The heaven of cool, crisp refreshment weaves itself seamlessly into the heaven of quiet solitude. Hers is a busy life, overflowing with duty, responsibility, appearances, stuff. And this river, this daily plunge, is her truest home. She lingers a bit longer than usual, resisting returning to that hot, heavy cloud hanging over the bank of the river, which is merely the entry point to the same hot, heavy cloud hanging over the whole land. It's like Chicago in the summer. This is the only, the only break in the stickiness she lingers, prolonging this experience of coolness, but also identity refuge. This one solitary place in the world where she only has to be who she is when she's alone. She rests still with only her head above the water, worried that any little movement might break the spell. The magic of this sacred moment and launch her ruthlessly into the dreaded duties and identities that she must perform for the rest of her day. And it's then that something captures her attention it's difficult to discern which sense came to awareness of that something first. Was it her hearing? Did she hears, and was it her sight? That mysterious yet wise sixth sense that is by nature difficult to put one's finger on. Was it first a rustle in the reeds? Was it first a flash of brown against the blue and green? Was it first an inaudible call deep within to notice? Whichever came first, whatever it was that she heard or saw or sensed, something was peculiar. The woman glided in the direction of the rustle, the flash, the mysterious something, and as she drew nearer, approaching the center of those nearly indiscernible ripples, emanating like the sun's rays from a central something, her destination became clearer. A basket. Baby. A whole slew of questions. (laughs) A dilemma. Ripples in the water. Those ripples reach even further upriver to the baby's sister who waited and watched and wondered what the woman might do. Afraid of the consequences, but ready to spring into action if the woman's intentions seemed threatening in any way. That sister was ready. Those ripples continue even further up river to the baby's mother who had skillfully woven the basket of reeds, lining it with clay, testing it, retesting it, testing it again, to be absolutely sure that it would be structurally sound. Even the most minuscule leak could mark that flimsy boundary between life and death. Up to the baby's mother, who had defied the law of the land, as well as the most powerful man on earth, who had dictated that law of the land by allowing that baby to live, suckling him every few hours, every day for the past three months, sharing her breast with him generously, silently pleading with him to stay quiet and still and undetectable. Up to the baby's mother, who at this moment was praying like she had never prayed before, rocking back and forth, pleading with her God, weeping hot, silent tears. And those ripples continue even further upstream, up to the midwives who first dared to defy the land's law and the powerful man behind that law, up to the midwives who had been told directly and explicitly by the law declaring man himself that in the face of baby boys they ought to deliver life and then immediately turn and deliver death. that they ought to catch the baby boys emerging from the waters of life and toss them immediately and without regard into the waters of death. This ripples up to the midwives who carefully and courageously chose life again and again and again and again and again and again and again. again again. (laughs) Refusing one boy at a time to allow death or death's herald to have the final word. Up to the midwives who when confronted by that powerful ruling herald of death played into his prejudices, describing the slave women who gave birth to the slave boys as sturdy beasts who popped their babies out too quickly for the midwives to arrive. For that life to death baby transfer, those midwives who lied to earthly power and spoke impenetrable truth to the spiritual power of life. Ripples of water. Those same ripples reach all the way down river again, downstream to the woman who now lifts the baby from the basket, cradles him against her breast, And senses clearly that her life will never again be the same. She will never again be the same. It is an epic beginning to an epic tale. And this tale of those rippling waters all up and down the stream... This tale sweeps through the pages of the entire book of Exodus. It's the tale of the birth of a people. The first time that the Hebrew word for nation or people is used to describe the descendants of Sarah and Abraham, Leah and Rachel and Isaac, is in the first chapter of Exodus. This is a book that chronicles the birth of a people. The Hebrew people, the Israelite people, this tale, this Exodus tale, is their birth narrative. And so it is no coincidence that the tale begins with a whole lot of women. (laughs) That it begins with midwives. Midwives! The presence of these two midwives in the 15th verse of the whole book. Literally, 15 verses into Exodus, we've got midwives. It signals the commencement of a story of birthing. We're supposed to tune in right away. Oh, okay, birth is the name of the game here. Birthing, coming into being and coming to life. The text refers to them as Hebrew midwives, and the Hebrew is as equally unclear as the English. Are they both Hebrew and midwives? Or are they midwives to the Hebrew people, otherwise Egyptian Hebrews to the Hebrew people? Again, the Hebrew is as unclear as the English is, so we don't really know. Either way, the women are pretty lowly bottom-rung types, right? They serve slave women. They serve slave women. Doesn't get much lowlier than that. And so historically, it's incredibly unlikely that these two should have an audience with the pharaoh. (laughs) They have an audience with the pharaoh, can you imagine? (laughs) And it is utterly baffling that they should be named Shipra and Pua. We know their names, Shipra and Pua. Narratively, however, so historically, this is completely impossible, right? Narratively, however, their audience with the Pharaoh and the inclusion of their names is revealing. They are present as the first primary characters in the birth story of the Hebrew people. There is more to the presence of Shifra and Pua than immediately meets the eye. Less than powerful people will creatively subvert those in power. (laughs) Great actions by small people, or is it small actions by great people, will build on one another, rippling into one another in the unfolding plot line of God's drama. Creatively subversive Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua, mother suckling Jacobed, sisterly protector Miriam, compassionate, transformed daughter of pharaoh and baby in a basket moses who eventually becomes hanging out with a flock of sheep moses moses who pays enough attention to a bush that burns to see that it's not consumed do you know how long you'd have to look at a bush that was burning to notice that it was also not consumed moses is paying attention Barefoot, standing on holy ground Moses, nervous and insecure and bumbling Moses, calling in his clumsy way for the liberation of this new people who has been birthed and is coming into being. This people will eventually enter their liberation from slavery by walking together through the parted waters of life, almost literally birthed as a people by their mother God. The birth narrative through Exodus is just astounding. Each of these characters in the epic tale, another ripple on the river, each character embodying the courage to do a subversive right despite great personal risk. Each character signaling by their small or great actions that these waters are waters of life. These are the waters of life that flow all the way down through those great, 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 great great grandmas and aunties all the way to this very room. May we, too, have the power to do the creatively subversive right in the face of what is wrong and continue to be a people that is born from our God into liberation for each one. Amen, and may it be so.